All right. Um, so last week, um, for those who weren't here, we had a video that we watched um, and Aleem led a discussion talking about we shall be known by our love. Hello, sweetie. Um, and, and when we're having that discussion, um, there was something just uh, stirring in me that I was going, I feel like we could have a good follow-up discussion coming out of this and just tapped uh, Aleem on the shoulder during the week digitally and said, hey, I'd be interested in, you know, I think this is something we should talk about. I'd be happy about sharing some stuff with it. I just want to set that up as the preface <laughs> because um, <laughs> I just want to set that up at the start because it's going, this isn't me thinking that I'm preaching a sermon and sharing, you know, imparting my wisdom to you tonight or anything like that. This is more just me going, I feel like this would be something for us good to have a chat about and I'm basically sharing my answers to the group questions beforehand. And I sort of wanted to lay that out in the hopes that others of you might feel comfortable to do the same, that you don't need to come and preach a sermon necessarily, um, but just going, hey, there's something we could have a chat about that you could come and do something similar. I mean, you just sit still, darling. Anyway, but so as we had this video last week that was looking at um, people just sort of trying to um, start dinner with their neighbours basically was the gist of it, if you haven't seen it. And, you know, they were just sort of setting up in the hallway and then the neighbours had come out and joined them. And as I was watching it and as we were talking later, I sort of have this tension that I often feel in these situations, partly going, this sounds awesome, this is amazing, this is what I want to be like. But at the same time, I have these parts of me going, but man, this looks like effort, this looks hard. And I sort of have these sort of questions that often come out going, you know, what if I put myself out there and get rejected? What, what will it cost me? And not just in a one-off case, but once I start building up relationships, relationships take effort. If, you know, I start building relationships with people outside of my nice, easy circle of people who've got it fairly well off and everything else, they're going to need stuff from me and that's going to be an ongoing thing. That's going to keep requiring of me. That's going to be difficult. Um, you know, probably one of the worst ones that comes up is will this actually make a difference? Is what I'm doing actually going to be helpful to anyone or am I just going to be spending effort doing stuff and you know, tiring myself out but no one's actually better off at the end of it? And where do I even start? I don't know if those are questions you guys have thought as well but that's often the sort of stuff that starts running through my head whenever I think about um, reaching out to someone. You know, I've had a pretty comfortable life. I grew up in a well-off family. I've been to a private, you know, private school, have gone to a good university, got into a career easily, bought a house, all that type of stuff. I'm pretty much the definition of white male privilege. And, um, you know, I've, you know, then went and made the very silly decision of marrying, you know, a missionary child social worker, um, <laughs> who, you know, wanted to go and show me that, you know, maybe the world isn't all based on merit and other things like that. Um, and so I'm, I'm partly aware that in talking about some of this stuff that, you know, uh, there's, there's people here who do all sorts of amazing things every day, day in and day out for their week, who are pouring themselves into jobs that are thankless, hard work on the front lines of life. And, um, you know, so I'm talking, you know, I, I'm, I'm not trying to set myself up as an example with any of this. I'm just trying to talk about some of my struggles through it. 
because I've got these sort of questions that challenge me of how am I going to do this? And one of the big ones is you look at the need and go, it's so big, how can I actually make a difference? And you can have your, you know, your sermon illustrations about, um, what is it, starfish on the beach and throwing them back and it made a difference to that one and all those sort of things. But ultimately, you still just feel a little bit like, but it just feels so nothing compared to all the suffering that's going on around me. And it often means that I get paralyzed and guilty and going, I'm not doing enough, I'm tired, I'm not able to get into this, and so I start pulling away from it, I start stepping back, I sort of build emotional walls up to protect myself from it so that I don't actually need to feel the need, don't need to deal with it, don't need to be confronted by it anymore, and so that I can go back to living my nice happy life within my bubble and, you know, worrying about the girls getting their homework done and those sort of very mundane things through my life. Um, but uh, a few weeks ago I was talking about my journey that's brought me here and the struggles that I had with it and part of that was me talking about the role models that I'd encountered that had really challenged me and so one of them as I mentioned then was Jared McKenna so you may know of him but he's a guy pastor over in WA who's done a bunch of stuff has been involved in setting up the Love Makes Away protest has borne some really deep costs from that you know been um, and has done a lot of consistent work with refugees to the point now where his house, um, he, his wife and his son have basically got a bigger house that used to be a former meth lab and have turned it into a basically hostel for refugees coming into the country. So day in, day out, they're living in this place where it's basically a commune where it's open to the refugees to come in, that they're able to build up a rental track record when they get here because, you know, you come here and you've got no records of anything, trying to get a loan approved, trying to get into property can be difficult in the current housing market when there's somebody who's got a history and you've got nothing. So they bring them in there, can stay there for a while, they get to experience Australian culture and life, they all live together, share meals together, you know, have the garden out back that they tend together, that sort of stuff. And you hear that and you go, that's amazing. That sounds like how, you know, that sounds like Jesus to me. That, that you know, that sort of, life that is open to others is beautiful but at the same time you go there is no comfort in that there's no just being able to go well I've done my one hour of ministry over here I'll go retreat to a quiet place now and go back to my normal life that keeps costing you day in day out and you know I'm sure he would say it's worth it but there's still a very real cost that goes along with that and there's uh, you know it just keeps digging at you on a more personal example of one of the role models, there's a, um, a couple who are foster carers who Mandy and I met, um, who for, uh, on average, they have about 10 foster kids at any one time, as well as two kids of their own. And, so, and at some points it gets up to they've had 20 people under their roof on given nights because they're always, you know, they've set up their house now where they've got beds everywhere, they've got all these supplies, clothes of just tubs of clothes going from, you know, five zeros up to adult size so that whoever comes into the house, there's clothes for them to be able to wear. Um, and that is confronting and scary to me. Um, you know, we've started, um, we, we started getting to know them and started to try to spend some time with them. And you're just sort of seeing it and going, I can't comprehend how you would do this. Um, and I think the most challenging thing for me was that you'd be catching up with them 
and not only were they clearly, you know, that they would say, oh, look, it's not that bad, or we're able to get through God's grace, all this sort of stuff, but you could still see that they were so tired and drained by the process of it. But then at the same time, something that seemed to be a bigger toll on them was the feeling of the stuff they couldn't do. That there was still docs calling up going, we've got these kids, you know, that we need somewhere for tonight, and they're just having to go, we don't have room for them, we can't fit them in tonight, and having to turn them away. And that that would cut at them, that the kids who were there, that they would be pouring themselves into for years upon years, but because of the histories of where these kids come from, there would just be deep-seated issues that despite that love and care, they just weren't able to, you know, really break through to those kids and, you know, would go back out somewhere else to their old family or run away or other things like that would go on. And, and the way that that would hit them and they would still take it so personally in spite of all of that. And that it's not like, you know, that you really didn't look, you don't look at their lives and think there is more they could be doing. But at the same time, they don't get a nice happy feeling of, oh, well, we're doing everything we can, so that's good, so we get to sit back and be satisfied about this. That there is still, they are still torn up by the need that they can't meet. And so, you know, I don't know, getting Lily and Jasmine out of the door for school on the morning is enough for me. Uh, I'm normally spent by the end of that process, let alone looking at dealing with 10, you know, 12 kids in the house with various mental and physical and social and learning difficulties, you know, with difficult backstories and all of the complications that foster care brings with it. And they, they manage to somehow get up and deal with all these things and keep pushing through and have done for 12 years now. So when we started getting to know them, that was one of those things where you start to put up walls. You partly go, oh, you, you want to write it off as they're a superhuman type person. They're someone amazing. They're someone that God's blessed who's able to do this. But the more time that you start to spend with them and the more that you got to see them as actual people, you start going, okay, you can, you, you feel transfixed by it, that you want to look away because it's too hard to deal with, but you equally feel like this is who I want to be. And I feel terrified saying that at the same time. You know, that uh, I can't comprehend doing what they do. But at the same time, you know, I start to think and going, okay, well, look, they've been doing it for 12 years. They didn't start out with this many kids. They started probably with one kid or maybe just doing some respite care or they had, you know, contacts with someone who was doing foster caring and supporting them and going. So they built up from there. And so. It seems like nothing, but what Mandy and I have been trying to do for the last year and a bit is trying to make a meal on every week. We you know, forget most of the times and feel guilty because we've been feeling sick and don't feel up to it ourselves. But we've been trying to make a meal to help feed all these mouths in the household that we take over there. We've been spending some more time with them. We've been able to go and, um, you know, initially it would just be, we'd go over for an afternoon and cook dinner and, you know, help them get the kids settled and then we'd head off. And then we'd start going, oh, well, look, why don't we look after the kids for you so you can have a night out? And the first time we did this, this was the third time that they'd had a night out to themselves in 12 years. So, and, and both those times before it, they'd ended up in hospital before the night was over because one of the kids had done something stupid and then needed to rush to ED to look after them. So they hadn't had a complete night out. So I was a bit terrified taking up that mantle of us looking after the kids, <laughs> but we got through it and they all survived, so that was good. And since then, we've been able to do that a couple more times so that they've now been able, you know, initially they didn't feel comfortable to bring any requests to us because they were scared to ask for help, you know, and, and didn't want to burden anyone. But as we kept being there and showing we're willing to help you, we're willing to be part of this, they'd start going, oh, look, we'd actually really like to have a night out this weekend. Would that work for you? And we'd go, yeah, sure, we can be there. Or, you know, maybe not this time, but, you know, how about next weekend? And we'd sort something out. And as we did that, 
you know, so they've now been able to have more nights out in the last you know, year than they have in the whole 12 years before that. And the next stage of that was that we actually looked after one of the kids for a few days ourselves a couple of weeks ago because they were having their second weekend away to themselves in the time that they'd been able to do this. They'd sorted the kids going out to other places, but we took one of them to help. And I must admit, three days of us looking after one, one extra kid, we were completely exhausted from that. And you know, it's a good dose of humility looking at everything that they do. Um, but it, you know, the, the fact that we could make a difference to these people who are doing that slog and also going, that bit by bit, it's getting easier for us. It's still, you feel the cost of it. It still is tiring, it still hurts, but we're starting to factor into our weekly routine. Okay, what can we make for them? How can we cook that? You know, starting to factor it into the weekly grocery shop so that it's, you know, part of normal life. And I like to think that that's, that's the best way for us to go about these things. Often you can feel challenged to go, okay, I'll, you know, I'll go on a mission trip, I'll go, you know, sell everything, and then you start thinking it through, oh, no, that sounds difficult, okay, I'll do nothing, is where you sort of end up. You get the, you know, you, you go down for an altar call, get the spiritual high, go, yes, this is awesome, you go out the first week, and then something doesn't go quite right, and you go, okay, well, that's it, that didn't work, and you leave it alone. Um, so I'm hoping that tonight we can have a real honest conversation about this sort of stuff, you know, that, as I said earlier, I know that there's other people already doing far more than we're doing, and I hope that as a community we can have a conversation where we're not trying to compare with each other or feeling what I'm doing isn't much. But I sort of want to talk about the idea of those, you know, one step at a time, those little things that we can do to be able to move forward in this. You know, I, back when I was weedy and insecure, and you know, now I'm less weedy and slightly less insecure nowadays. But you know, as a young teenage Jeremy, went to the gym to try to you know build up some muscles and you know impress the ladies and things like that. And it's you know the the, the stuff that they teach you is going. What's more important than having a massive session where you just cram all these things in and don't do it for months is going little by little on a regular basis. That you hurt your muscles. You, you know, you'd work your muscles until they hurt a bit not too much and then you come back again and you do it some more and each time you do that your muscles get stronger. And I think the same way that's how we can grow our faith, grow our confidence to step out in these things. Just doing those little actions bit by bit where you know it started out as us just baking a one-off meal and taking it over and then going hang on that wasn't hard for us to do and they seem to appreciate it, let's try doing it again. And now it's just sort of you know then doing it more often and more often and it becoming more second nature to you. And I think that's something that we can all do every day in our life. So I'd like us to be able to talk about that, talk about the stuff that we're afraid of, you know, what challenges us about doing this, talk about some practical things that we can do, and also talk about how we can support each other in doing that.